Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, welcome to Sensual Self. I'm Evian Whitney, and this is a space for you to slow down, tune in, heal, and feel the sensations and pleasures of your sensual body. Thank you for being here. to the new season of Sensual Self. I hope you had a beautiful summer or winter (laughs) and that you are easing into this new season with a lot of slowness, softness, and nourishment. I have missed all of you. I really have. (laughs) And I'm very jazzed to be back on your feed and in your ears. This new season is so wonderful, y'all. Like, I can't even put to words how good it is. And I can't wait to share with you all of the brilliant and beautiful and rich conversations that we'll be moving through together over the next few months. And here we are, back for a new season. Let's not waste any time. Let's get right into it. How differently would your life feel if you had just 10% more pleasure in your life? This is something that my friend and guest on today's episode, Euphemia Russell, poses in their work as a full-spectrum pleasure coach. And I've been sitting with this question since we spoke. As someone who works within these realms of pleasure, sensuality, and embodiment, I'm no stranger to prioritizing feeling good. Matter of fact, I would say that pleasure is a language that my body is quite fluent in because I've made a concerted effort to ensure that feeling good is at the center of everything that I do, sometimes to a fault. (laughs) So contemplating having even more pleasure in my life, I have to admit that that is feeling edgy for me right now. Sitting with that question, a voice popped up and was like, what, you? Having even more pleasure? That's just excessive. Which was curious to me. You know, it's so interesting how when we're beginning these explorations around pleasure and savoring, our minds can immediately go to excess, as though pleasure is this all-consuming or totally nothing kind of thing, very black or white. Even when I was in the beginning stages of creating a practice of pleasure for myself, I found myself coming up against a fear that if I opened that door, I would be flooded with feeling good to the extent that I would become irresponsible and narcissistic. 
and gluttonous. And while I think that those concerns are real and I don't want to bypass them, the fact that pleasure conjures up a fear in us that will become walking embodiments of the seven deadly sins feels to me like a remnant of purity culture that continues to blend with our modern society today. This idea that pleasure is a powerful force, one that can ruin our lives if we get too reckless with it. And because of that, we can't trust ourselves to explore the depths of pleasure. I've seen that a lot in my work as a sexuality doula, these people who have deep hungers but have been taught that they can't be trusted in seeking them out or savoring them. And like, listen, (laughs) there is definitely such a thing as excess. There is definitely such a thing as people using pleasure to escape their bodies, to run away from feelings or hard conversations. You know, everything in moderation. But that also includes moderation. Because what I've seen is that the same people who are terrified of being taken under the sticky and sweet wave of pleasure never to emerge again, these are the same people who have cultivated such a strong sense of self-control to the point that they never even allow themselves a taste of something sweet. And what I found is that this risk of getting lost in pleasure is not as great as the risk of denying themselves of it for fear they'll lose their center in it. We're often so scared of being too much that we end up doing the least, even when our bodies are craving for richness and depth and enjoyment. And I don't know, I think we could all do with a little more when it comes to pleasure. I think we could all afford to raise what feels pleasurable and possible to us to 10% or 20% or 50%. Even those of us who feel like they don't deserve or can't trust themselves with a little more. And if you're looking to be affirmed in your search for 10% or 20% or 50%, you're in the right place. This conversation is for you. Today, I'm speaking with Euphemia Russell about the practice of slow pleasure, a concept of being in relationship with feeling good in our bodies, and also the title of their beautiful book, which helps folks uncover and explore their pleasure spectrum. We speak about the inseparable link between pleasure and embodiment, how we can't actually experience the full depth of feeling good if we're not slowing down enough to feel our bodies. We talk about some of the ways we've been conditioned to see and think about pleasure, some of what I already mentioned today. And Euphemia shares with us some very simple, very accessible ways we can tap into the pleasure centers of our body with movement and connection. The one thing that I'd like to sort of perk your ears to as you're listening is I want you to notice the pacing of our conversation. Notice the pauses, the spaces we make for ourselves and each other to tune in and savor what's emerging. And maybe even notice how our pace might be inviting you to slow down a bit, to linger within the spaces we're making and notice how that is landing for you. Anytime I'm in space with Euphemia, I feel a gentle invitation from them to move slower, to tune into the soft animal of my body, to really pause and listen and feel myself while I'm feeling them in space with me. And I hope that if this feels resonant with you, their presence, and their message is an offering of slowness and softening for you. Euphemia, my friend, welcome to Sensual Self. It's a pleasure and honor to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, I'm so excited to speak to you, to highlight you, to talk (laughs) about your book. 
I wondered, actually, I didn't plan on doing this, but it's it's coming up. Would you mind introducing yourself to everybody? Yeah, I'd love to. I just want to give context that as I introduce myself, I'm looking out to the mountains and the trees right now. And it mm. feels, I feel like I'm speaking to all of you and also I'm speaking to the mountains and that's really sweet. Mm, it's beautiful. Yeah. So... My, the way I describe my work is I call myself a full spectrum pleasure coach. And that has been many years in the making to come to that place. Uh, And I can speak to that more in our conversation, but that is currently how I refer to myself and how I share myself with the world. And then I suppose the other part that is a much newer part is being able to refer to myself as a best-selling author of Slow Pleasure. Yes. <laughs> I'm like wiggling my fingers up to the sky as I say that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So that's a pretty cool combo. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Um, anything else you want to add? I, I realized I just like vocalized and maybe broke here. <laughs> I was just so excited to hear best-selling author after your name. It was really, it was really nice. Yeah, it still tickles me. I'm like, huh, cool, wow. Honestly, I didn't even think about that being a possibility. So love that. Um, I mean, I am a very dynamic, multifaceted person, um, but the way that I share my work, I think that the full spectrum pleasure coach really speaks to the spectrum and the space that I create with clients and how I share my work with the world. So I'm going to leave it at that. Mm, Beautiful. Thank you. One of my favorite things about you, Euphemia, is your way of being able to embody what it means to be pleasure-centered. And I imagine that folks who are meeting you for the first time, whether that is in a digital space or in person can pick up on that as well. Um, There's just something about the way that you hold and carry your body that is both an invitation to me to tap more deeply into my own pleasure and into my own body and also a a reflection of the pleasure that's always circling around us or, or the, the pleasure potential Mm. that's always circling around us. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm just sitting here thinking about the many experiences that we've had to share space with each other and how beautiful it's been for me to have this pleasure centeredness mirrored back to me. Like Mm. you really sort of give me and I'm certain other folks permission to access what it really means to be embodied in your pleasure. And I feel like that's a really big gift, not just like a gift that you give us, but also that a, a gift that you hold and carry because we hear so much in our culture, especially now, about pleasure pleasure centeredness, prioritize your pleasure, take your pleasure seriously. (laughs) And like beautiful, right? Like I I love that these conversations are coming to the fore and are becoming much more accessible. But I'm really in this space as I am understanding who I am as a pleasure centered being of not wanting to Um, sort of intellectualize pleasure, to think about pleasure, to make goal-oriented pleasure decisions from the mind, Mm. but more so like dropping it into the body. And I feel that your presence, the work that you do, this beautiful offering of your book, Slow Pleasure, like gives us all permission to access that and reminds us that that is accessible. So thank you. Thank you for the work that you do. Thank you. That's such a beautiful reflection and means a huge amount coming from you. And yeah, it's a pleasure and honor to be in relationship with you and for us to feel the mutuality of our pleasure and the encouragement of that when we are together to be able to, I see pleasure like a spiral where we 
build on it with practices and it becomes and folds back on itself and and creates more possibilities and more choices and I think being able to practice and be in practice with yourself and remember allows that Mm. and that and that's kind of the essence of slow pleasure it's not something that we learn I, I talk about pleasure in somatics as something that we remember rather than something that we learn Mm. And to be able to be in moments to pause and listen to our bodies and trust our bodies and to then remember the possibilities, that in essence to me is what slow pleasure is and we're building like a spiral of possibilities that is creating like a foundation of practices. And to be able to do that with you in person in our friendship is such a gift. And I think that the more that we can create a pleasure-centered world, and that doesn't mean like hedonism and frivolousness and our current concepts of pleasure, but really, as you were saying, how do we listen to our bodies more and let them guide us and to trust our desires to take us to where we need to be individually and also collectively? And I think that our friendship is like a, um, <laughs> for want of a better word, like a fractal of that. Mm. And that's that's a pleasure. Mm. The feeling is mutual, my friend. I I don't know why, but that made me very weepy. I'm just like really moved by that. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> Same goes when you were sharing your reflection with me. I was like, oh. Hmm. well let's 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 get started by just like asking you you know full spectrum pleasure coach how do you (laughs) define pleasure I'm really curious to hear your definition of that Mm. in the most basic sense I think it's anything that brings you a state of enjoyment and that can be mental, emotional, physical, spiritual, and that that's kind of the basis of it. But something that I explored a lot in slow pleasure is that often we can be going through the motions of something pleasurable. Say, for example, a really simple example of of that is eating something delicious, Mm. something that we like um, and that we've been looking forward to or anticipating. And we can be in a pleasurable state but it's nearly what's the word it's like a surface level pleasure and so something that I really explored in slow pleasure is the power of savoring which is where I feel as though you find pleasure in feeling pleasure Mm. and I think that that is just, that is the beauty of pleasure is that when we tend to it, we realize how much depth and how many possibilities there are, not in an overwhelming way, like, oh God, I'm just getting started. But oh my gosh, as you were saying, like pleasure potential is vast and limitless and there are pleasures beyond us that we don't even yet know. And so I suppose the I give you a simple answer of what pleasure is and there's also like an emerging answer to that question that is gestating within me because it feels like that's just the beginning of how we describe it. Mm. I feel that. I feel like our culture has really distorted and even maybe like imposed upon us this idea that like pleasure is one particular way, like very one dimensional. Um, Yeah, I think you were kind of picking up on that with, you know, talking about like not hedonistic, not frivolous, like that's, that is what our culture has taught all of us about pleasure, that it is irresponsible, that if you give in to pleasure that you are going to you know, become a blob on the couch uh, with Oreo crumbs all over your chest, you know, Uh, which like, Mm -hmm. hey, I'm all about that. Like if that feels Mm -hmm. good. 
But I love what you're talking about here, like this deeper wellspring of pleasure that we can access that like I feel our culture is like only sort of scooping the surface and and has told us that that's what pleasure is. But what you're talking about is like like deep into your bones kind of pleasure. Like I loved what you were talking about, about how a lot of us will experience pleasure or have pleasurable experiences, but we're not actually feeling them. Like we're not Mm -hmm. actually savoring them. Mm. And what a gift it is to remember that like, oh yeah, like all I have to do is slow down and experience the sensation of what it is I'm doing that is giving me joy. And that that is like a deeper expression of pleasure. Um, And you're right. Like it's, this is only just the beginning. I mean, I even feel this with my own work as I as I explore the nuances of pleasure and the intersections of pleasure and embodiment and sexuality and gender identity. How, yeah, pleasure, like I am only just beginning to understand the power of that and like how how my own pleasure takes shape and takes up space. Um, so yeah, I, I appreciate that definition. It feels it feels really accessible as well. Yeah. I have nearly I so to give a little because I think you and I have had very different journeys, but kind of similar threads mm. where both of us started more focusing on sexual pleasure, as I understand. And correct me if I'm wrong, nope, but you're one hundred percent right. <laughs> yeah. And I started there and I'll speak to my own experience, which was I, I saw that sexual pleasure was like the back door into a vast universe of pleasure. And in a way, it was like a beautiful shortcut and simplification to be able to have a taste of what pleasure feels like. Mm. And then as I explored that more and I held other people in that space, I realized that pleasure was available to us in every single moment. And actually that, you know, you you talk a lot about sensuality I talk, I suppose, in in a way, the way I frame it is more like everyday pleasure, but I think it's the same thing. Yeah. Where I think we're talking to the same thing and using different words. And then it's so beautiful to see how both of us have come to somatics as well as a way to deepen that sense of pleasure and seeing ourselves as a whole um, and that pleasure can feed into all parts of that as well. And so what I have created as like the the core values and core desires for my clients is aliveness and nourishing connection. Mm. And I see that pleasure is a very direct path to aliveness. And I see that embodiment is a really direct path to nourishing connection. And I mean that to our own bodies, to each other, to all beings. And I have an animist way of seeing the world. So when I say beings, I mean the mountains, the rivers, the trees, the wasps, the rocks, all of them, Mm. how we have a nourishing connection to ourselves and therefore an extension to everything around us. And that is where I've come to in how I hold space for pleasure. So I'm like, oh my gosh, we could spend this whole podcast just talking about this first question. Mm. Not in an intellectual way, but in like a deep feeling way of, oh my gosh, when we listen, we go deeper. Mm. We live deeper and deeper and deeper in our bodies and therefore in more connection to the world around us. Mm. I love that you brought somatics into this conversation. It's a beautiful segue into something that I wanted to ask about you know, this relationship between pleasure and embodiment. Um, And I I, want to say like I use the word embodiment because, I mean, I love the word somatics, but I think a lot of people don't really know (laughs) what that means as much as like I think intuitively we can kind of get a sense of what it means to be embodied or what uh, the act of embodiment looks like. Um, And you kind of already answered this question already, you know, talking about aliveness and nourishment, but I'm curious why you think pleasure and embodiment, pleasure and somatics 
work so well together. Like you can't have one without the other. In the simplest way, <laughs> this is going to sound <laughs> grand and maybe also simultaneously an oversimplification, but I truly do believe that we are here and exist to feel good and be in harmony mm. and to learn how to keep coming back to feeling good and how to keep coming back to feeling in harmony. And we've lost our way in both and we're coming back to them. And that pleasure and aliveness, pleasure is such a direct service to how we feel the most alive in each moment and to remember what it can feel like to live in harmony and feel good at the same time. Mm. So I think that's getting slightly on the edge of philosophical, but that is what I sit with when I feel in my daily practices, when I connect to you know, use the words wellspring, and that very much is an element of my connection to what is beyond me and my connection to the earth. I have and tend to my wellspring. And when I connect to that, that is what I feel is that we deserve and are here to feel good and to be in harmony. And that somatics is just such a beautiful framing and practice and tools for remembering that we are whole and so is the world around us and that we are interconnected. Mm. Yeah, I, I was having this moment because I'm thinking of listeners or maybe even people who don't listen to this podcast. I don't know if I would ever have anyone who listens to this podcast that would be like, why does pleasure matter? Like y'all keep talking about pleasure, pleasure, pleasure. <laughs> what is the purpose? Uh, I, I started like to to think about like, oh, wh who, can we speak to this person? But now I'm realizing maybe this person doesn't doesn't even listen. But let's pretend like this person does. <laughs> um, and I mean, I, I think you just very beautifully answered that question through, you know, exploring the the connection, the the synergy between pleasure and embodiment. Like I think a lot of folks have such a negative connotation with the word pleasure or just not a positive one. Maybe it's not negative, but it's not positive. And the idea that pleasure first and foremost is about your birthright, which is feeling good in your own body and being connected to the world, your your people, your your body, yourself, um, that to me is the point. Mm. And I, I agree with you. I, I actually, I've said this before and- um, And you'll say it again. <laughs> yeah. I've said this before, especially when I'm teaching or like I'm talking to, I don't know, people who are not in this world that we're immersed in, which is pleasure and sensuality and embodiment. Um, you know, they'll, they'll kind of ask me this question of like, yeah, so pleasure, that's cool. Like, why, why is this important to you? Like, why, why do you feel like people need to explore pleasure and prioritize pleasure and, um, dive into it as a practice? And I say the same thing, which is like, I fundamentally believe that we have been put on this earth to feel good. Like mm -hmm. maybe, maybe there are people out there who don't see it that way. I certainly know that I've been raised in a world and within certain religious institutions that have taught me out of that. But I am reclaiming this, this declaration of like, I have been put on this earth in this body that can feel and sense and experience and explore for the purpose of feeling good. And it is my job, my responsibility to make sure that everything around me, as much as I possibly can, can hold that, can accentuate mm. that. Um, and so I love, I love that we, we have a lot of the same philosophies. We have a lot of the same 
embodiments when it comes to this work. And yeah, it's just such a joy and such a pleasure to find kinship there, you know? Mm. Agreed. Yeah. 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 It's, it's really good. It feels really good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, let's let's dive into your book, Slow Pleasure. Um, I wanna yeah. I wanna first ask you what inspired you to write this book? Like what was the impetus to to put something like this out into the world? Honestly, the publisher approached me and I toed and froed about writing a book for a while because it's a really big commitment. And I don't see myself as a writer. That's not how I really interact with the world or share. Um, And I decided to commit to writing it because it felt like the, because the book is very focused on a little bit of practical or philosophical understanding of something. And then there's a pleasure practice or a reflection question after every subsection. So it's very much supposed to be an embodied experience where you read it and then you feel it, Mm. you understand it and then you experience it. And I felt like the format of a book, particularly in a world, a digital world that is so censored for our work with Sesta Foster, um, has made it increasingly difficult to reach the people who deserve to have this information about how to feel connected and to feel good in themselves. Mm -hmm. And so that was the kind of, final decision or final element that made me commit to writing a book because I thought this book can outlive me, this book can outreach me, this book can reach the people that deserve to have this information Um, and that I hope that it's useful, that I hope that, you know, I read my book, I come back to my book all the time Because it's not things, as I said, it's not that we master pleasure or that we learn something and then it's a one and done. It's a coming back to and remembering again and again and feeling the nuance every time. So I also wrote this book for me. Mm. You know, I have it on hand for me to come back to and be like, oh, yeah, what's important? How do I feel? What does that reveal? And that it came, it was born in a time where I was doing workshops and series and courses on what I was calling slow pleasure. And that was my foray into trying to communicate to people the process that I have, I explore in the book, which is how to pause. And slow pleasure is not, you know, deinstitutionalizing yourself and disappearing into the woods as lovely as that is too. (laughs) Um, It's how can we be in the moment? How can we have the most minute pleasure in the most mundane moments? Mm. And to be able to remember to pause and listen and trust and feel and invite in pleasure and savor pleasure in each moment when we remember. And so this was this book is a way for me to try to explain to people, hey, pleasure is beyond sex and embodiment is a useful part of that. Disembodiment is also a very useful coping strategy. Like I really talk about all of the possibilities there because I think often we can become overly focused on how important the body is and forget the mind or overly focused on embodiment and disregard the importance of disembodiment Mm. but just to say all of that is part of the spectrum of choices and so I just my attempt was to take people through this book and practices and experiences for them to come deeper into themselves and I've had quite a few people say to me that they've read it twice through back to back because they felt like they pulled back one layer and then they came back again to 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 feel into the next layer of it, which I never even thought about people doing. But I think it does hold that kind of nuance and that kind of complexity in a way that's not intimidating, hopefully, um, but inviting. Yeah, your book 
It is so inviting. I mean, first of all, it's fucking beautiful. <laughs> like, <laughs> it is gorgeous. I mean, the, I remember the first time I saw your book, I had the pleasure of like being in your home and you you gave me a glimpse and I was like, oh my God. Like <laughs> I, I, it was, my breath was taken away and I, I, I'm so glad that you had some control or at least some alignment with your publisher to create a book that it creates an experience of exploration of pleasure mm-hmm. because that's so important. You know, I was thinking about that with my own book about how like I want to make sure that the book feels good in your hands, you know, like it has a good weight to it, but it's not too heavy. It's got a good size to it, but it's not too bulky. And I feel like your book, not only is it just like beautiful to hold, not only does it feel soft to the touch, I mean, it's it's just, it is filled with practices and questions and um, permission slips for folks to really dive in to exploring and being curious about their own pleasure. I feel like it's it's a manual really of, of what it means to um, connect to your pleasure and identify your unique expression of that because I think that that's another piece to a lot of this pleasure talk is that there's, there's a lot of stuff out there that's saying, you know, pleasure should look a specific way, or this is how you do pleasure. You buy this thing, or you do this particular practice. And what I love about your book is that you're really giving people permission to explore the nuances and the intricacies and complexities of their own pleasurable experiences while like not leaving them out to pasture, like you're a really good guide for them, um, for us, for me, as I'm, as I'm reading your book. And I'm just, I'm so grateful for that. And I'm grateful for, um, just how accessible you make pleasure, um, how it feels like, oh, at any time, at any place, in any frame of mind, no matter what my body is doing or what sort of environment I'm in, I can come back to myself. I can come back to the feeling and sensation of feeling good. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, slow pleasure is is beautiful. I I actually wanted to ask you to define slow pleasure. Um, I have a sense of what that means. You know, you've you've touched on it a few times in this conversation, but um, yeah, what is what does it mean to slow pleasure? To be in slow pleasure. Mm. First of all, thank you for your <laughs> your gushing and your crushing. <laughs> <laughs> it is literally my pleasure. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, oh, it's really lovely. <laughs> so thank you. Um, and I just want to say that other than my journal and my own book, your book is the only book that lives on my altar. Mm. So. Mm. <laughs> it's in good company. Ah, uh, yes. We we joke, podcast listeners, that our our books are like besties who like go on vacations <laughs> together because that's exactly what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. They just fit together so well. It's really beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Slow pleasure. The way that I see it is more as a practice than something that's defined. Mm. So as I've been saying already, and as you alluded to, I see that it is a practice with different steps for us to come to a place of savoring and to truly be with pleasure, choices and possibilities. And to say that practice again, it's the pausing or just even remembering to pause, even if it's the most micro moment even if it's like 10 seconds and it's listening to our bodies and saying, Hey, sensations, you're our first language. You're the first language I ever knew. Mm. What do you want me to hear? What do you want me to understand? What are you trying to say? And our sensations live in the present moment. And sometimes that can be misleading because it thinks, Oh, danger. And actually we can say, Hey, Actually, we're not, but thank you for trying to keep us safe. Mm. 
But there's often times when our body is saying, hey, pleasure. And we're like, do, 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 do. And not even aware of the possibilities. And so pausing and listening and trusting what we hear, trusting our desires and inviting in those choices that we've now become aware of and then savoring them. And all of that can happen in 10 seconds. It doesn't have to be, hey, take a day off work and walk slowly through the forest for eight hours and kiss every mushroom that you see (laughs) and hug every tree and fondle every leaf. Like it can be what is available to me. How can I bring 10% more pleasure into this moment? Mm. Mm. And so that slowness, people often think as like infinite time, but I see it as like an elongated moment. And that when we are in pleasure and attuned to pleasure and attuned to our sense of embodiment, time does elongate. Yeah, I I really appreciate this reflection of of slowness. And what's coming up for me is how it's nearly impossible to experience the savor, the the depth of pleasure without slowing down. Like I I can't think of a of a time where I have experienced a pleasurable moment like full body pleasure, not just like, oh, that was good. Goodbye. (laughs) Like not just a blip, but like a full body pleasurable moment. And it didn't require me to pause, to close my Mm -hmm. eyes, to take a deep inhale into my belly, like to feel into like the wiggle of my body as I'm enjoying something or, you know, like it, it really, um, yeah, I, I just, I feel that like pleasure has to be slow. And and I think that's why it's so hard for people to, to get to those depths because we're moving so fast all of the time. Mm-hmm. And our world doesn't really encourage us to slow down. It actually encourages us to speed up and to do things, you know, like five things at once. And um, yeah, it's... I, I, I feel, I feel like compelled to just speak to like, you know, you and I are in this work. We do this day in, day out. We've written books about it. We've taught workshops about it. And so there's a, there's an ease with which we're able to come to these practices and also speak to them. But it's like, it's fucking hard. Like I, I'll be the first one. I'll raise my hand and be the first one to admit that like I work within these realms of pleasure and it's, it's still very difficult for me to, to find those moments to slow down because of the conditioning that I've been given around Mm. the importance of being a useful citizen and speeding up and caretaking other people and not listening to my own body. So I just like, I really want to put that into the conversation that like, yes, we're talking about this with a lot of ease, but this is really difficult to do. It's really hard to do. That's one of the many things I admire about you is you're always so quick to be real about the challenges and not in a dissuading way or like a, oh my gosh, this is going to be so hard way, but just in a, hey, we're humans and existence is messy Mm. and we're trying and we're finding our way and that's part of the beauty too. And I really love that because I feel like often the, the marketing around pleasure can be very seductive and like you're always in your power and you're always like, perfectly alive and sensuous and it's like hell fucking no I eat it's like oh god like oh shit that thing that I think's important that I haven't even tended to in however long and I I'm feeling that actually a lot right now my mom is visiting from Australia I live on Tongva land also known as Los Angeles um for people who are listening and that my mom is one of the many people who 
kind of the main person in many ways who has reminded me to slow down over the years and to have her visit and for me to see the ways that I have slowed my life down and that I am in daily practice of that and the space that I carve out while also trying to find ways to be bounded in the way that I give her my presence and time and to not rush around like a headless chicken. It's really, it's super interesting seeing myself, you know, my younger self and come back up in those kind of dynamics and then uh, metabolizing those old patterns too. Mm. So I'm like, oh my gosh, it's forever. It's forever a process. We're forever in practice and it is absolutely never mastered. Mm. I really appreciate you saying that it's never mastered because <laughs> I'm like, it's, it's humbling for me, you know, like I think there's, there's parts of me that's like, I've been doing this type of work for 12 years, you know, really diving into pleasure and embodiment for the last handful. And, um, I'm going to hit a, a period where it's going to be so much easier, you know? And like the reality is like, yes, I, I think I have uh, a literacy and, there's an accessibility for me to be able to reach for these practices because I, I'm in practice with them so much and so often, but, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's almost kind of a relief actually to feel like, oh, I'm never, I'm never going to be perfect at this. I'm never going to reach the bottom of my capacity to understand what it means to be pleasurable, pleasureful, um, pleasure centered, Mm -hmm because every single day is a different day and where I'm at today with my pleasure is going to be very different than where I am tomorrow with my pleasure and my body. And, um, Mm. this conversation is making me think about something, you know, when I started getting into somatics, I also felt that real connection to pleasure, like, oh, somatics equals pleasure. And what I'm realizing Mm -hmm. as I, as I go deeper into this work, as I go deeper into training and practice personally, um, is that somatics isn't about feeling good. It's about making space to feel everything. (laughs) Like even (laughs) shit. Yeah. Even shit, (laughs) like even tension, even cramping, even, um, pulling something in your back. Like it really, it really paves the way. And I I really feel this with pleasure too. I feel that, that the practice of pleasure really paves the way of not just feeling good, but of feeling everything else, you know, It, Mm -hmm. it can really create this beautiful contrast of like, oh, that's what an enthusiastic yes feels like in my body. So now I know what an, an enthusiastic no feels like, or, Oh, I, I, I know what it feels like to feel like this sense of yum to like have my body undulate with pleasure. And that is a really great contrast to like this feeling of yuck or this feeling of that's not for me. And I, I want us all to be thinking about that, like the ways that pleasure creates space to not just feel good, but to feel everything and how uncomfortable that can be, you know? Yeah, I used to be um, mindful of saying to people, like, when you pull on the thread of pleasure, you pull on the whole tapestry of life. Mm. Like, it's all interconnected. And people would be like, ah, shit, does that mean I have to feel everything else? And you're like, yeah, you can't really cherry pick, like, I want to feel more this, but not more that. Like, it doesn't happen that way. And something that has been useful for me personally to see is that as we spoke about before, like disembodiment is super useful and pacing. There's practices in somatics, like pendulating in and out of something and doing at a pace or titration in small doses. Like it doesn't have to be all or nothing. That's right. Which I think we can totally see when it comes to pleasure or processes. And that also I used to be scared of being like, oh fuck, if I feel more pleasure, does that mean that I won't be able to even shift away from feeling more of the things that I'm not ready to feel or the things that are too much right now. And I found that it actually allowed me more choice Mm. rather than defaulting to a particular way. It allowed me more choice of how to feel 
but it also allowed me to see that it would move through whatever it was the experience the emotion and that it could just wash over me and that actually and of course this is not the case for everyone in every moment but that when we allow when we soften and when we open in our bodies physically we allow things to actually move through us like we are a river mm. you know they it just flows through and that when we clench and when we shut down and those things can happen when we feel guilt or shame or pain or stress you know those barriers are all very real and they're all very much a part of life and also it's how can we tend to them so that we can once again soften and open into the capacity that we have and to see that it isn't all or nothing like oh my gosh I can feel all the pleasure I want in my left hand mm. yet my right hand is full of pain right now or oh I can feel so much pleasure in my back body but I'm feeling so tense and locked in by stress in my front body and somatics just allow me to see more and more that we get to feel but it doesn't mean we get more choice of feeling and being and how we are rather than oh my gosh I'm just letting the floodgates open and suddenly everything's happening at once and it's too much because mm. that's what I think people assume is that oh if I let more pleasure then I let everything and then it will just come at me and it will be too much and I won't know how to manage right so I want to name that as part of my own experience of seeing that because otherwise it can feel kind of intimidating mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm glad that you mentioned that it's 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 a dance you know like it, it's it's like it's find it's finding it's finding your own pace with it and also just allowing yourself to to take your time in this discovery you know like I I'm wondering if there's people out there who are listening now or even just like, you know, people who have been seduced by the shiny marketing of pleasure who feel like I, I got to do it now and I got to get all the things and I got to make a practice and I got to like commit to it. And like, I'm even wanting to just encourage folks to like, as they're wrapping their brains around pleasure as a practice to not rush to try to figure it out, but to like yeah. take your time and really settle into what it means to feel good. And um, I think this would be a perfect way to like kind of close our conversation by asking you to share some practices for us that are simple, that can get us on this track of slowing down, listening and accessing and resourcing pleasure as a, as a space to connect with ourselves and the world around us. So maybe there's a um, favorite practice of yours from your book or something that you're practicing with right now personally. Mm. Yeah, I have a collection of favorites. As I said, I really, I deeply believe in what I call like microdosing pleasure um, and seeing as I was saying before, like how can you have the most minute amount of pleasure in the most mundane moments? Like that's the practice. And so the practices that I want to share speak to that. And one is what I shared actually earlier, but it feels so important that I want to mention it again, which is pausing to ask yourself, how can I bring 10% more pleasure into this moment or this action? And that whatever you're doing, you infuse pleasure with it. Mm. That we don't see pleasure as something that we delay or wait for. And that that framing can be, oh, pleasure is actually a fuel for each moment in our life rather than a reward. Mm. And that small practice can really reorient us to being, oh, wow, I can feel pleasure in every moment. Pleasure actually fuels me. And that small drip again and again completely reshapes me and my pleasure body and my relationship to pleasure. 
And, oh, which do I pick? There's probably four that I would love to say. I think shaking is just always good. If you have the mobility and the ability, even doing a little shimmy of the shoulders, a shake of the hips, a shake of the head, horse lips, like any of that helps you to just metabolize and to get out of that more frozen, stuck feeling that can come with cortisol or adrenaline or stress or um, fright or whatever it might be. As like a dog, after you scare them, they go, Move, and then walk off. And that just is amazing how five seconds of that completely resets you to be able to come back to yourself. Mm. And then if you want to extend that, it's just free movement. So I do just intuitive movement, even if it's for one minute. I'll do it at the start of every meeting, even if it's just for 10 seconds, the start of my day. Whenever I remember, I just move my body and that allows me to remember the choices that I have, even for movement, let alone pleasure. Maybe it's ease. It's just how do I want to feel good in this moment? What are my choices? And being able to move our bodies in different ways other than just forward and in line allows us to feel more possibility and more choice. So, yeah, I'll leave it at that. I have a a few other practices that I just love to offer people because they are so simple and so effective. And that's, I think, the most important thing is that pleasure can be simple. Pleasure can be easeful. It doesn't have to be complicated, long, involved, or even involve anyone else but yourself. And to just keep it really fucking simple. And that is actually where the potency is. Yes. Well, like, honestly, if anybody is looking for more practices, they should just go and get your book because it's got everything in it to begin your own pleasure journey, um, to create some pleasure, curiosity and connection to your body. Um, and yeah, tell, tell people where they can find your book. So it's, it's available in US, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, UK, um, and Germany. Uh, but you can find them it all through my website if you're unsure. I've got some key sellers for each country. So my website is my name, which is euphemiarussell.com. Slightly complicated name to spell, I won't won't deny. I'll put it in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm like, a blessing and a burden sometimes. Um, but yeah, otherwise just type in slow pleasure and euphemia to the internet. And I share alternatives to Amazon for each country if that's the kind of the main seller. Unfortunately, there's no audiobook at this stage, but I'm really advocating for that. Uh, particularly for neurodivergent folks that I really, I really want to be able to make it more accessible to them. But you can get the e-reader and then get the e-reader to speak it out loud as an alternative. Oh, beautiful. Yes. Accessibility. I love that. I love that. I'm excited to hear that maybe there's an audio book version coming soon. That would be really lovely. Yeah. I'm, I'm following up my publisher being like, Hey, you know, you said you were going to do that thing. (laughs) Want to do it? (laughs) Yes. Oh, it would be so lovely and juicy to like hear you in our ears talking about pleasure and being in your body. Um, And where else can people find you if they want to follow your work and support you? Um, So my website, Instagram, which is euphemia.russell. And then TikTok, which is at euphemia. I've been sharing more there from, I'm getting hounded by people being like, you got to be on there. You got to share. So I've created lots of things and practices. I have lots of everyday pleasure practices that I've created and I'm sharing there slowly. So yeah, they're my corners of the internet. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Euphemia, for coming on the show, for talking about pleasure so beautifully and comprehensively. 
Thank you for the space that you take up um, and that you also invite other folks to take up when it comes to being in their bodies and prioritizing their pleasure. I'm so honored to call you a friend. I'm so honored to be a colleague within this work with you. And um, yeah, I can't wait for us to see each other IRL soon. Mm, thank you so much for your love and support and admiration and it's mutual Mm. what a joy what a pleasure a literal pleasure that conversation was and what a gift to be given gentle nudges to center our pleasure, to prioritize feeling good in ourselves, in our bodies. Big, big, big love to Euphemia for their sweetness and softness. And please go get a copy of their book, Slow Pleasure. It is a gorgeous read and truly has everything you need to begin a pleasure practice for yourself. And you can find that wherever you find books. You know, there was something that Euphemia said earlier that pleasure is more than a reward. Pleasure is fuel. And there were so many things that Euphemia shared today, so many practices and little gems of wisdom to wrap our bodies and minds around. But that little bit, you know, this idea of pleasure being more than a reward, pleasure is fuel, it's sticking with me the most right now because the idea of pleasure as fuel is just gorgeous and a really beautiful reframe for a lot of the messaging we've been given about pleasure. I mean, I can feel in my own body an expansion around pleasure through a lens of it being a form of sustenance and nourishment that doesn't just help me feel good, but helps me tap into harmonizing with myself and the world around me, not just my loved ones and friends, but the trees and the flowers and the earth and the bees. And what a concept, right? <laughs> How wonderful to be reminded that pleasure is a medium for connection, not just excess. That pleasure can be a way to come closer to ourselves, not just a way to escape ourselves. That pleasure can be communal, not just a solitary experience. Yeah, I don't know if I have more to share than that, honestly. Um, I think I just want to let this conversation continue to settle into my body a bit and see what other insights emerge. And I want to invite you to do the same. I usually share a practice at the end of each episode based on what we dove into that day. And Euphemia actually shared some practices at the end that I encourage you to take on board and feel into if you want to do something. But for me, I kind of just want to be. I kind of just want to be in quiet reflection about what came up during this conversation and see what else rises in my awareness when it comes to my relationship with pleasure, when it comes to the way pleasure feels in my body. And to be honest, I'm in it right now, like this very moment. That conversation is giving me pleasure sensations in this moment. And I want to savor that. I want to flow with that. I want to explore the edges of that. Because pleasure is a feeling, and I want to feel the full spectrum of that. So that's what I'm going to be doing after this. <laughs> um, whatever pleasurable things you end up doing inspired by this conversation with Euphemia, I hope you do it with a pace that connects you deeper to the wellspring, the birthright that is feeling good in your body. Sensual Self is created and hosted by me, Evian Whitney. It is edited by myself 
and Tribble. Music is by Melody Symphony from his song, Just Healing. For show notes, transcripts, and resources for your sensuality, go to evionwhitney.com slash podcast. You can also follow the show on Instagram at sensual.self. I'm on Instagram at evion.whitney, and you can check out evionwhitney.com to find out more about me and my work. Also, check out my book, Sensual Self Prompts and Practices for Getting in Touch with Your Body. You can find that wherever you find books. Thank you so much for being here, and I'll see you in the next one. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.